1: Hi, it's Mark here. I know I know you don't want me to tell you to give some money but I'm gonna give you some money. I think it's the main thing here. This is the price you pay, you have to listen to Mark begging for money before you get to the goods. Yeah, so I wanted I think it's a good place probably to shout out um, some people that have given us money because you guys <laughs> you guys you guys are awesome. Uh, so you know who you are But I'm just going to shame The people who haven't donated By calling out your name So hopefully you can feel The adoration and love
2: We're in a position Where we like can name Every single
1: listener That hasn't given us money At this <laughs> point <laughs> Unfortunately More or less yeah um, So uh, you, Normant who, who I know personally um, Doesn't but, count then yeah, Vicky Henry um, Corey Robinson S. Barnes Who's given us money twice Fritz of course Because Fritz is Fritz man Has his own amount Named after him Yep yeah. uh, Mary Claire McCrossan um, a, a, guy, a guy called Mr Thomas Strange <laughs> Who donated a princely sum to us That's a good man He donated a, a, a crag. Wow. Not really Yeah So Thomas if you want to get in touch We'll either Skype you if you're in America on the show Or you can suggest an album for uh, consideration And the usual suspects accounted for Again Sean Tierney, Hazel Burgess, uh, Kenny Bonilla Thank you very much for all of your money Be it big or small uh, if you want to give us some money Like these fine people have Go to unsungpod.net For slash donate And we will be forever in your debt We
2: are edging closer to Self-sustainability We are We're almost getting to the break-even point Almost Yeah, it's exactly what my parents told me I would never achieve
1: And if anybody wants some t-shirts Stay tuned for the next coming weeks We'll be announcing some shit around that Probably too So yeah Sweet See you on the other side
3: There's going going to be a lot of that (laughs) This is the squelchiest episode so far, I think
1: I was going to say, it almost sounds like Bootsy Collins based on Yep Yes, so, so, welcome Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of perplexed after that scatting by Dave there Dave is back Literally Dave is back Welcome back, Dave
3: Thanks to Craig for... Spilling in my boots
1: While you were out We did our best To to alienate
2: all of the listeners And ruin our reputation And burn every bridge We could possibly
3: I know there goes My years of diplomacy (laughs) Once again Chris Cusack comes firing out (laughs) I hate
1: everything (laughs) (laughs) I think all popular things are shit it's and like a you, fucking tomahawk missile. No, it's like <laughs> when you go to the movies and you come back and you're
2: dug at the couch.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, if you if you're with us this weekend, thanks for coming back. Yeah, we noticed
2: a, a, a steep decline in interaction uh, yeah. on social media this week, despite you know the people listening to the episode but clearly being unhappy
3: about something. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine what. Mm. Well, I mean, so we've gone for something very different this
1: time, but uh, yeah. We've decided to be three white guys talking about black music again. Yeah. And this is the most, probably one of some of the most blackish music we've yet done.
3: Before we do that, how have we all been? It's been a couple of weeks since I've been here, so I I want
1: to catch up. How have you been most importantly, Dave?
3: I've been well, yeah. I went to see The Cure on Friday night. Uh, Supported by Mogwai and the Twilight Sad at uh, uh, Bill Houston Park in Glasgow. I heard they managed to ruin the entire field just in time for Dave Grohl and yeah, it, to yeah. turn it up. It was say. so fucking muddy. It was unreal. Uh, I wore Big Doc Martins. They're, they're ruined. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're ruined. <laughs> ruined. Was that picture of um,
2: you
3: for real? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. So listeners that are out with Scotland and even probably most of you within Scotland... Uh, the media here What what site was it? Was it it so on was the,
3: on the website of The
2: Glasgow Summer, Summer Sessions. Sessions Yeah So if yeah. you go
1: on the Glasgow Summer Sessions website Dave's face is on that So for the Foo Fighters Headline They chose Ironically To use a picture of Dave Giving it double thumbs up Yeah not Dave Grohl Me yeah. Wait for Dave Our Dave And, and there's uh, a good backstory to that as well Because that pint you are holding Took you how long to get? Uh, that pint
3: took me one hour to get Because uh, the queue was one hour long Wow It was the worst organised bar I've ever been in my life Yeah um, but yeah. So my pal's a photographer, and he was working there. Uh, took. He was like chatting to me for like ten minutes, and he was like, "Weaver, can you just like look excited?
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I need photos of excited people, and all the all
3: terrible. the golfers are too miserable. Yeah, even though they're all having a great time, they, none of them. So I was there in my yellow rain jacket. Gave a big thumbs up And then they used it As the weather advice Photo for the Foo Fighters <laughs> The next day
2: It was a busy weekend In Glasgow It really was mm-hmm. And a wet weekend So it, that night We had The Cure The Twilight Sad And Mogwai on sharing the stage yeah. And the next night Was Foo
1: Fighters Frank Carter And the Rattlesnakes Frank Carter that's yeah. right. and, and the Van- Vanties From Glasgow mm-hmm. yeah. Who uh, have completed Their own personal Dave Grohl Nexus It would yeah, appear yeah. The Vantees have Despite by of us known them all <laughs> Yeah Well We um, killed that shit A long yeah, time ago anyway.
3: Um, but I have to say, uh, like I've always been a sort of greatest hits sort of Cure fan. I'd never dived deep into their catalogue. Yeah, I know so many people that have like a favourite Cure album, and we talked about doing it, doing a Cure album in time for that gig. But I don't think any of the three of us felt at home or at ease enough doing a Cure record. No. But um, they were fucking amazing. They were really, really good. Uh, Robert Smith's voice is unreal it's just as as good as it was on record 30 35 years ago he was great patter you know so it was so muddy underfoot waited an hour for pints i still had a really good time uh, i have to say yeah so much better than the foo fighters would have been i imagine that's well mm, yeah, probably <laughs> and mogwai in the twilight sad sport so it's a pretty good lineup to be honest yeah it is quite good um I have
2: a My week was pretty good I didn't go to any mega shows But I went to a couple of local ones I saw a Spanish band called Doble Capa Mm -hmm. It's like a duo Um, Drummer and a guitarist who made his own guitar Out of some weird boxy contraption And it sounded unbelievable It honestly sounded absolutely terrific Um, Yeah, but nothing, no drama really I've had Mm -hmm. a pretty sedate week Good, good I'm planning on kicking the arse out of it this weekend though Nice Um, Going to the Edinburgh Festival and ah, see some stuff. Sweet. Edinburgh Festival is an absolute circus where one month a year, the city of Edinburgh is just so, so busy. I mean, so busy. Yeah, it's so like bad. South by Southwest mixed with spring break and mm-hmm. jugglers everywhere. Uh, so I'm going to try and. Also, an incredible waste of paper.
3: <laughs> yes. Flyers and posters. Oh, that just picked true. Very true, it, actually. But I'm going to then.
2: You gonna clear a path through that somehow and try and get some sort of cultural value from it. Um, If we hadn't been doing this tonight, I may well have gone and seen Sharon Van Etten, who's playing in Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am dedicated. You are dedicated. I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) You are that too. (laughs) Uh, But no, uh, other than that, um, I'm pretty good. I would like to illustrate to the audience... David for the first time ever Has decided to start Rocking his microphone Sideways Like when you're Watching a movie And people don't hold A gun up straight They hold it
3: On its Like gangster The gangster yeah. uh, Microphone I actually did this Because the uh, Microphone stand is broken But mm-hmm. uh, We could just do, Call it A gangster mic It's pretty right. cool That wouldn't be an issue If we had more money Coming in Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I wonder how we can fix that <laughs> hmm.
2: So I, st-
1: I, I, I I have lost a week to funk, Mark. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to ask me how I'm, no. Yeah, <laughs> Mark, how are you? <laughs> Mark, how are you? Oh, I, I've had a shit of, of a week, which I'm not going to go into detail of. But I have been pondering one question. Yeah. All week, would you rather fight one Bruce <laughs> Lee-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized Bruce Lees? Uh,
3: wait a minute. Hang on. One Bruce Lee-sized duck. So I mean, the the that's a very large duck, but it. Has none of the Fighting skill of a Bruce Lee It's just a fucking duck But it's raging (laughs) It's a duck I mean their bills are quite big But then you've got A hundred Very small Highly trained Bruce Lees See that's what I was thinking too Uh, It Depends if you can uh, I don't know Can you have a
1: weapon? Uh, Whatever's to hand I suppose What is to hand? Let's just say it's hand to hand combat. Hand to hand combat. I'd, t- I'd take <laughs> on the
3: big duck. Dave's
2: Dave's trying to see what's to hand. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, just 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 have a gander so If, if I had to go
3: uh, him unarmed, him. then I'd go against the the big duck because I reckon I could punch it. <laughs> uh, but if it was, if I had a weapon, then I could probably g- golf club a lot of small Bruce Lees true, Anyway, true. yeah, there you are. I wonder I, I why will... have you
1: been pondering that? It's just it's just something funny to say, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I see I mean the jury's it Well there yeah. you go <laughs> I, I agree though I think 100 100, uh, 100 duck sized Bruce Lees Would be highly trained And, and really annoying And boy deadly So yeah. yeah
2: Are we worried that this is going to be Too short an episode Or something
3: <laughs> uh, So Mark What have you chosen uh, This week Is it I, anything to do with Bruce Lee
1: or ducks uh, It's it's from the 70s huh. Oh. Okay uh, I suppose that's the connection to Bruce Lee. It's the Mothership Connection by Parliament.
0: Well, all right. Star child. Citizens of the universe. Recording angels. We have returned to claim the pyramid. Parting on the mothership. I am the Mothership Connection. Get
1: down in three record we've done, but um, the was, first one that's eligible for the photography, I'd say. so.
2: I mean, this is a genre with which I have very, very little experience because, frankly, I do not like it. I felt that would be the case. But
3: <laughs> I think Straight in there. <laughs> what, what? Good morning.
2: So, Parliament. Parliament. You've gone for the album Mothership Connection. Mm-hmm. And what this clearly demonstrates, based on the, the fairly small but concerted amount of effort that I put into researching funk this week, is that we are three white guys with very little grasp of the genre to even consider... That mothership connection is an unsung record oh there well, is-
3: we have discussed this because i believe that it is probably unsung amongst white guys yeah white guys that don't know <laughs> funk
1: I which a- is fine I eat our audience
3: <laughs> like a lot of our audience may well be hearing this for the first time you know as an album uh
2: i think it just reflects badly on us because it's certainly like my colleagues at work when i mentioned the subject they were like Mothership Connection is like one of the most famous funk albums of all time Yes, it
1: absolutely is but I mean you, what what what, what, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm
1: coming back to, I'm coming back to the Chris logic of does your mum know about it no, my mum doesn't so <laughs> uh,
3: well that's a good point mm. I mean
1: uh, it's also, in, also in sold less also sold less than a, a lot of the records that we've done as well
3: yeah in context uh, any album could be unsung I think what is maybe interesting is that Parliament Funkatelic George Clinton could be classed as unsung in terms of the entire output of 70s music because they're probably more influential than you know The Who or Led Zeppelin but never really get that credit particularly amongst the white mainstream press uh, particularly in the UK Western culture has been shaped by P-Funk and George Clinton and this music and this vibe Uh, and has been incredibly, incredibly influential on black and white culture uh, over the last four decades. But I don't think that maybe the whole thing gets the credit it's due. I
1: would would agree with that. I mean, we've done Public Enemy and they are... Just as probably, they're a lot more influential in our generation to people of roughly our age, anyway. And artists have then preceded this sort or of preceded them. Um Yeah, but the album that we chose was specifically chosen because it was somewhat overlooked. This is the most famous album by Parliament. It's somewhat overlooked in the sense that it's not as well known as the two records game beforehand. But let's not let's not fuck around, man. It's multi platinum That was multi platinum It got to number four on the Billboard charts. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that record. If you, to, if you want to contrast them, then that is technically a lot less success, a lot more successful than this Parliament album, which is probably to some degree falling out of the canon so much because of you know the death of people like George Brown, James Brown, and Prince, and all that. Do you know what I mean? So I think that if if you Google the phrase "best
2: funk album of all time," the first result is Mothership Connection by Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're maybe underestimating its prominence uh, It's in the Library of Congress in the USA I don't think anything else we've done is in the Library of Congress um, Various websites rate it as At least in the top ten um, Digital Dream Door had it at number four of all time Behind Curtis Mayfield, Sly and Family Stone and Stevie Wonder So they're pretty famous names uh, I just As right. opposed to the
1: but Branch Nails yeah, but still two and a half million, and is a very extreme form of music. Forms yeah, and still very, pretty. still you know, is recognised as one of the best rock records of all time. Mhm.
2: That's clearly the closest we've swung to something that probably doesn't qualify. But the extremity of the record, the nature of it, the taboo nature of it, the fact that it was so controversial and all the suicides and things like that, I think that played a part in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am absolutely not sold on this being eligible. I, I think it's. A very good album in its context But I think you're going to have to work some To prove to me that this is eligible as unsung And not just me
1: I think uh, our generation is largely completely unaware Of Parliament and Funkadelic And I think
2: that Our generation is largely completely unaware Of the lamppost they're about to walk into <laughs> To be fair,
3: George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic Played in Glasgow last year mm-hmm. uh, At the Glasgow Bandstand And it was about half full So that's about 1500 people So I think that's a good point. You know, he played in the bandstand to 1,500 people. The Cure last week played to 30,000 people. Think how big The Who, Led Zeppelin, what other 70s bands, you know, would play to crowds like that. George Clinton played to 1,500 folk. And the set list for for that show was unreal. Like, you know, classic after classic after classic. And George Clinton is one of the most influential and prolific songwriters genre creators and for 1500 people to go and see him that seems like he is unsung
2: yeah Uh, you know there's an interesting thing that i hadn't really considered until you you'd said that and it i would say that funk as a genre has aged far far worse though than any of the other ones you mentioned so the cure led zeppelin you know even people that aren't with us anymore like guys like Jimi hendrix and stuff they would have aged way way better as acts as styles as genres there's something much less uh cornball about that funk and especially George Clinton parliament funkadelic like the, the the absurdity of their stage show and the themes it's so comical It's and so 70s so 70s mm-hmm. that i think it, it does to some extent make sense that it hasn't Aged well because I mean, listening to it now, it's such an anachronism. I mean, it really is. It's like it.
3: It's, it can be if you just take it at face value, but like so many parts of it have then been integrated into modern hip hop, modern funk, modern rock.
2: You yeah, know. but that's that's quite quite distinct though from wholesale tracks from that era, like you know, Voodoo Child and uh, some of the Beatles stuff and. Paranoid by Black Sabbath That still stands up Um, I think Funkadelic Out with, you know Funk context Out with an audience That is specifically there for
1: it Really struggles It just sounds naff I do think it sounds Definitely aged It's very much of its time um, But Again Black musicians from making music primarily for black people. The people that that's had an influence on, like they've said, like it's all over hip hop. Oh, you know. Hey, I'm I'm totally with you on its influence.
2: Like, like, there there is no debate from that perspective. I'm just meaning this record in and of itself. The reason in this band, the reason that they're maybe not reaching a new audience is because the genre and the music they made really hasn't aged. Its influence is incredible, but it's it's specific sound and it just sounds pretty dumb now,
1: I feel. It does sound like really, really weird but I suppose, I wonder how much of that's engineered as well because George Clinton always said at the time that the whole thing was supposed to be cool and fun and tongue-in-cheek, playing with these mad like, actually mad, fucking kitschy, afrofuturistic sci-fi themes which is like, it's like a a lot of the time their music sounds like a black exploitation film come to life um, and I think I think that's kind of cool to reflect back on, to see that, like, to see, like, this entire vibe, I guess, is the best way of putting it, like, just being, like, thrust into the world f- from this, like, place of having to... These black musicians are having to create another facet of their culture, which they don't feel like exists, so obviously it's come from beforehand they had, like, Motown and R&B and stuff like that, and then taking, like, James Brown and putting a sci-fi spin on it and adding some Hendrix in and some, you know, The Beatles and all that and making it psychedelic as fuck, and it's, like... It is. It's super strange, and I think that's another thing which I think if people listen to it, they might find it quite hard to engage with it because of that. Because I know that I did when I first heard it, because it just sounds so out there, and it does sound a bit. It definitely sounds dated, and it does sound a bit weird as well when you first. But everything sounds familiar as well, which is which I find quite strange.
0: Whoa. They say the bigger the headache, the bigger the pill, baby. Call me the big pill. Doctor Frankenstein, the disco theme with the monster sound, the cool goo with the bump transplant.
3: Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a way of looking at it in that it sounds—you can say that it sounds dated—but you can also look at it and say that it's like a little time capsule, and it couldn't ever been created at any other time, and that it is, you know, the sound of a fucking mad, weird genius putting and lots of incredibly talented musicians finding this weird voice in post-civil rights America that's, like, taking lots of things and putting, like, I don't know, a weird fun into it. I think it's a sociologically interesting um, postcard from the past as well as a, you know, a big brown funky one. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know, I ha- I have to say, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to listening to it because... A lot of funk and a lot of music to me does, when I think of it, it makes me think of squelchiness.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it sounds, a, big, of, yeah, burp, yeah, a lot of it burp, is. Burp, yeah.
3: But also, a lot of that was then, what's one? Um, stuff that came after it and just copied it, like even stuff like the theme tune from Grange Hill. Which is like this eighties white as fuck uh, CBBC really program, yeah. Yeah. but like that theme tune just sounds the boinky boinky. Song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the eighties basically built on these weird sounds that Clinton had found, and then kind of like chat all over them. And there's something I don't know. There's something about the the noises, particularly in um, things that were were influenced by it. That makes me feel a little bit fucking queasy, a little bit car Yeah, totally. Yeah. And there's also something about like that sort of late seventies aesthetic when I watch like old seventies like dingy movies, it's always rainy, there's always rusty cars, and I always feel just oh, it's kinda miserable. But like going back to this record and listening to it um this last week, it's actually way clearer. It's less it's way less squelchy than I thought mm. it would. Uh, and I was really, actually, yeah, nicely surprised by it. I didn't actually think that this record felt as squelchy as I feared. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think um, one of the things that we might talk about, I guess, but it should definitely be spoken about at some point, at least, is how good a producer George Clinton is. Everything, like, there's so much going on, and all the stuff is, all the stuff he did is, is he's done is so clear, mm-hmm. and it does. I mean, there's obviously a lot of stuff that does date it. You know, some of the bass tones definitely do. The fucking. The keyboard sounds are, you know, obscene. (laughs) You just wouldn't get away with that stuff at all. Like, in the 80s, you wouldn't get away with that stuff, (laughs) you know? Um, But do you want to do a bit of a history on Parliament and where they sit and what p Funk is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. I did actually dig into this a little bit. So they formed in...
2: Uh, what 1962, I think, um, and they were originally like a do wop male vocal group called Parliament. The Parliaments, the Parliaments mm-hmm. and they formed around this barbershop called Silk Palace that was sort of co-owned by George Clinton yeah. and staffed by various members of Parliament and Funkadelic, uh, and they finally had a hit like five years after starting as a band in 1967 with a track called "I Want to Testify." it was really sort of tapping into the fact that Motown was so huge Mm -hmm. at at that time. Um, Acts like the Four Tops, Temptations, Martha and the Vandellas, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, The Supremes, Mm -hmm. they were all like killing it and this...
3: Clinton was actually on as a staff writer at Motown for a time during the 60s. Okay. So he actually did work at Motown, he's part of the machine. Um, But yeah, it like took a while for his act to yeah. get anywhere near Yeah, it was success.
2: Like five years, yeah. So it was 1967 before they really had a breakthrough. Um, and they had a bunch of issues with uh, record labels at the time because they, they had a contract dispute with the Revelot Records and temporor, temporarily lost the rights to the parliaments as a name. So they ended up signing a label called Westbound and calling themselves Funkadelic. Then Funkadelic became like a touring band in their own right But then they restarted uh, the singing group in 1970s Parliament And they basically had two bands with the same members uh, Playing these sort of different styles And what was it, 1970 that Osmian by Parliament came Yeah out The first album <laughs> Which was much more closer to Funkadelic sound at the time. It was a lot rockier. Uh, and I was watching some, some interviews and things. They were talking about the fact as well that in Detroit at the time, Parliament Funkadelic were quite comfortable regularly sharing the stage with bands like MC5 and Stooges. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't abnormal for there to be a lot of intermingling between the genres. Uh, They were big fans of Jimi Hendrix uh, and learned to rock as a result of that. They said that became a big influence on distinguishing them from the masses of kind of funk that was starting to bubble up. Yeah. They described this one really formative experience when they played with uh, the band uh, Vanilla Fudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanilla Fudge uh, allowed Funkadelic to use their backline after Funkadelic I think it was the van that was bringing their stuff had an accident and they were due to play and Vanilla Fudge said look as long as you guys don't tear it up uh, you're welcome to use our things and that was like big amps, big powerful stuff that they'd never used as a funk band, they'd never seen the need, they'd never felt the need and they said that that night with the feedback and the power of the amplifiers was completely formative for them, It it, it it revolutionised their sound and their approach. And from then on, you see videos of them playing in front of these huge stacks, these huge bass cabinets. And that that really turning things up and really getting into it, allowing there to be feedback, massively influ- influenced Funkadelic as well, probably even more so. Um, it's also
3: another interesting I, well, connection and influence is that um, George Clinton was a massive Frank Zappa fan mm-hmm. and said at one point he even said every black musician should listen to Frank Zappa and you can hear that like sort of seep through everything that he ever did was that like mad sort of psychedelic funk
0: yeah.
3: and like I think Frank Zappa is probably something that we'll have to come back to in the future another oh yeah definitely
2: yeah so p- one of the other things that really dis- distinguished Funkadelic and Parliament and Clinton's whole band in general was the amount of drugs yeah, uh, the amount of acid in particular oh yeah um, it really started to have an influence on the music they were playing in terms of even down to the recording methods they described putting their guitarist for for Funkadelic for Maggot Brain they put the guitarist inside a ring of amplifiers um, just so he'd get totally lost in the moment really high And just start soloing. Really feeling the music. And they said that these kind of like trips and stuff started to inform their jams. And their jams would translate onto the albums and the records and especially into the live shows. And it became a lot more uh, fluid then maybe some of the more regimented and stripped back and sort of uh, conservative approaches to funk were, not that they were particularly conservative, but you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. Um, a bit more regimented. Um, He did say at the time, though, that uh, Osmium's a a much rougher record by parliament standards. Doesn't even really sound like parliament. Yeah, uh, and he felt that Funkadelic were just playing better, and he disbanded parliament uh, till about 1974, it was, they came back, yeah. They came back in 74, and they added the horny horns, which was like a... (laughs) which the horn, I mean that is just the tip of the iceberg of silly names that we're going (laughs) to get to Uh, but they added the horny horns uh, uh, as a horn section which really expanded the sound and brought out Up For The Downstroke uh, the same year Um, at which point, I think Bootsy Collins had joined. Is that right? Yeah, I left the yeah. uh, James Brown's band and, and joined uh, Parliament and Parliament Funkadelic. Bootsy Collins had a massive impact on the direction of the band and the capabilities of the band. What do you, what do you think about Up for the Downstroke, Mark? I
1: thought uh, it's okay. It feels as though it's definitely creeping more towards the signature, the signature quote-unquote Parliament sound. Obviously, they've been Funkadelic for a long time at, at this point, and they're still like hangover from that. It wasn't really until the next record after that, Chocolate City, which is where they actually start to be a distinct entity from
0: from
2: Funkadelic. Neither Osmium nor uh, Up For The Down Stroke seem to really crack any of the top lists that I think they're fondly thought of. I actually kind of like Osmium, to be honest. It's probably more along the lines of music I would enjoy, but uh, they don't really tend to resonate with the purists. Uh, As you said, Chocolate City, which came out in 1975, by the way, really prolific Crazy prolific, uh, yeah. Because yeah.
3: they're doing Parliament albums, they're doing Funkadelic albums, yeah. Uh, because yeah, we have skipped by uh, Funkadelic putting out like an absolute classic in Maggot Brain Maggot and stuff Brain. like that. Yeah, like Maggot Brain is
1: phenomenal, and nothing at all like Parliament. It's definitely more Hendrix feeling.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Much darker as yeah. well. So
2: Parliament alone were prolific. Parliament combined with Funkadelic, and they and then even later with the George Clinton's P Funk All Stars, yeah.
3: and then they're all doing stuff they're on doing, the side as well.
2: Yeah, each just of them. insane. Like, they, career guys. Uh, Chocolate City in seventy-five actually sold really big. i
0: can't you but for you. Don't you know you're in this too. Oh you can do me and I'll do you.
2: Apparently it sold 150,000 copies just in Washington DC. Yeah. It was one of those phenomena that everybody had heard it. It was mm-hmm. like just this cultural thing in, in that area at the time. Uh, it was the first time that uh bootsy Collins used what he called the space base this um thing like thing, <laughs> a neutron 3 kind of envelope pedal filter thing that just created this very distinctive effect <laughs> Chocolate City is definitely in a lot of those lists um, and a really big step forward for the band, although still a bit more conventional. They hadn't quite engaged with their full on space mythology yeah, mm-hmm. thing, It was, but it had touches of eccentricity in
1: it. Chocolate City is interesting for the fact that this is, um, I imagine what black people would be like if they were in the corridors of power up to a high level. So, obviously. Already by this point They're getting quite concept albumy. But like you say Chris P-Funk mythology thing Which we are going to talk about In a little second Hadn't fully been embraced by Parliament And yeah Which album was it Chocolate City When
2: they had the opening monologue About Richard Pryor Being in the White House As the yeah. Secretary of Education yeah. And
0: and don't be surprised If Ali is in the White House Reverend Ike Secretary of the Treasury. Richard Pryor, Minister of Education. Stevie Wonder, Secretary of Fine Arts. And Miss Aretha Franklin.
2: Uh, Aretha Franklin was the first lady and all these kind of things. That's the one, yeah. That became like a really famous part of that record and part of their kind of uh, legacy as well. Um, and there was a politics to it. Like, they were, Definitely, yeah. Like Their politics was, like even the use of the phrase Chocolate City, it was like Nixon era, they were trying to sort of sardonically reflect on the, the takeover of urban areas by black people you know
3: yeah something Mm -hmm. public enemy did you know 15 20 years later with fear of the black planet and stuff
2: that same year 75 which is crazy to think of was when mothership um connection connection came came out out, which is just mental uh and that's at the point where the space themes and the wackiness started to emerge now obviously we're going to talk about mothership connection later on but it it really grew out of a, a, a out of a a quest to entertain. Mm-hmm. It seems like hearing him talk about it. I mean, it's so tongue in cheek, but he's like, we wanted to be entertaining, We wanted to be fun. Yeah, they were doing a lot of drugs. Yeah, they were into some kind of crazy sci-fi and things like this. But they were, they were really just looking to put on something a bit special mm. and and really perform and and that became like a good vehicle
1: for yeah. that. There's uh, a political message behind it as well. I don't know if it's something that you're going to cover, Chris, but um, just the whole idea of like having like putting black people in places where black people are never traditionally haven't traditionally ever been seen like in sci-fi films and space you know
3: yeah absolutely this was a huge time for sci-fi films it was a huge time for the gen the actual well the the post Apollo 11 sort of space thing you know people had st- just been on the moon and yeah George Clinton said you know he he wanted to show people black people in space because you know People hadn't seen that before. So what we're,
2: what we're talking about is Afrofuturism, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to play a part later on. Uh, I thought it was actually quite interesting. The more you look at Afrofuturism, and it, a lot of it is very, very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, but, um, it, <laughs> Pyramids. <laughs> yeah, exa- yeah, they embrace the pyramid uh, symbolism a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ancient astronauts thing. Aliens coming down and imbuing humans
1: with this incredible uh, extraterrestrial knowledge. It's bowing to see like black people create their own sci-fi narrative when white people have been doing it for, for, for just as long. Although Afrofuturism Doesn't really become a thing Until the 90s Like this is like Foundational for that You know Like it becomes like
2: Well the, the were, there were There was an author Called Octavia Butler Who was really big in that There was things like The Black Panther comics Were out at the time Which featured a lot of it uh, And there was Sunra As well The mm. musician Who a lot of these bands At the time Were huge admirers of I fucking and, love Octavia Butler By the way She's a great writer Well they were they were all Carving a path With that as well It was just funny It re- really reminded me Of um, the Black Israelites From the Louis Through episode Mm-hmm. Uh, where they talk about uh, going back through history, mm-hmm. how, like, Shakespeare was black and all these different people were black. And there's an element of, like, just with the the eccentric costumes and the sort of tongue-in-cheek nature of what they're saying, it, it, it reminded me a little bit of the kind of Afrofuturism that, that Parliament were really messing about with. But <laughs> Parliament actually became one of the sort of most prominent examples of Mm Afrofuturism and culture. I mean, there are so many now. I mean, even FKA Twigs is regarded as being part of Mm -hmm. that movement. Um, The fucking Black Panther last year, do you know what I mean? Like, it's huge. Yeah, but uh, it really was fascinating how they were at the cutting edge of it. The name escapes me. It's something of Dr.
1: Funkenstein. What is it? The Brides of Dr. Funkenstein. The Brides of Dr. Funkenstein. Is it The Brides? You think, well, hang on. There was an album. (laughs) This is when it gets a bit tricky. So there was a side project called The Brides of Dr. Funkenstein. But the album's called The Clones of Dr. Clone, Funkenstein. that's the one, sorry.
2: <laughs> so The Clones of Dr. Funkenstein was
0: 1976. That's the album, yeah. And
2: that and had a big sci fi theme. And that was all we'd do with like genetic engineering. And that's where the star child mm-hmm. became. Like a really prominent prominent figure, figure. and it was all about he'd been reading about genetic engineering and about, uh, to some extent, eugenics and things. And it was about a galactic conspiracy of, you know, genetically engineered (laughs) supermen. And then in 1977, uh, Funkel Telehe versus
1: the The placebo placebo syndrome. syndrome. So, they, these are both the bad guys and the Funkadelic and the B Funk cosmology. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, that has some killer lines in it, by the way. Uh, you will dance,
2: sucker. It's just. A standalone T-shirt, way a half. It's just—it's
1: like the thing is like, even though it's dated the still a lot of fun, I think like like thematically, it's like, oh my god, these guys are fucking mental. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's
3: just a whole world you can kind of get lost in. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it
2: if you want it to, it take doesn't add acid. to the the credibility of the, of the of the tunes like forty years later. But you're right; it must have been a total blast. Um, also, this like Clinton said that album funk—is it Funkin' and Telehe or Funkl- who knows man <laughs> Funkin' Taylor He, he said that, that He was quoted as saying That's the only album By uh, Parliament That he would take to the moon Okay There you go um, Okay George Really really well regarded though actually And the more I read about it The more I think There is an argument For that being The more underrated album Because it is less prominent mm-hmm. Than uh, Mothership Connection
3: It still sold well But yeah It's yeah. not It doesn't necessarily appear In yeah. the best of
2: list In best of our albums It was there. It was voted number two Uh, by by the band uh, above Chocolate City and above Motor Booty Affair which we'll talk about but below Mothership Uh, Stereogum put it at number 3 Vinyl Factory put it at number 1 Ranker which is fan voted put it at number 1 I thought that was really interesting so I think there's an argument for that one to maybe be the main rival to what
1: you've picked it's quite interesting because although Bootsy is a writer on that record he only actually plays drums on one song he's not actually that prominent on the record as a musician he plays drums He just plays drums On flashlight He doesn't in uh, Cordell Morrison Morrison plays bass On it So it's got Bernie Worrell on it Who's If you think About like The, the we core We kind of passed over yeah. Bernie Worrell, yeah. by the way If he you ch- want to think About the core Like it's him It's Clinton Worrell yeah. And Bootsy When
2: he came in He changed things as well mm-hmm. And that was around About the same time As Bootsy wasn't it Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Worrell, He'll come up later on As well But he was hugely significant um, 1978 was Motor Booty Affair <laughs> G- Good name
0: Oh <laughs> I can do my thing
2: Yeah. Which yeah.
1: is interesting Because that's when They go to like It becomes like Atlantis Yeah an album yeah. it was the, 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 the concept of this album Is just beautiful On
2: it's own So it's an album About raising Atlantis Off the sea floor By the power of funk <laughs> Inspired during A fishing trip By a cartoon lure Called Mr Wiggles <laughs>
1: <laughs> The first song Is called Mr Wiggles like.
2: You just can't You yeah. just
1: don't make him Like that anymore
2: You really don't, don't man No um, Yeah he wanted to He wanted to make a, Apparently George Clinton At this point Wanted to make a funk album As Ornate and Elaborate it as Sergeant Pepper's I think yeah I think it's
1: a, I think he does that in that record um to be honest I think it's still the only uh, certainly the only Black Funk album to feature a C Kyle chant <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> shoehorning Nazis into the podcast, there, guys. I <laughs> wish we, we should get a klaxon for that.
3: And the 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 list of musical personnel is split up into Liquid Licks, which is Motor Madness musicians, and then you've got the snorkel singing air tank harmonics, uh, which is then split into two, and you've got the coral reef air bubbly vocalizations. Are you and then, singers? And then Jaws, who are like the, the main, main vocalists, yeah. Um, yeah, they it's just it's, had a lot of fun
1: Yeah, <laughs> It's so much fun
2: well, uh, What apparently wasn't so much fun Was around about 78 uh, Clinton's management style and his general overseeing Of the project started to create A few uh, cracks uh, Between the members And uh, a bunch of them left Before uh, the next record Glory Halla Stupid in 1979
0: Run. of a meaningful relationship oh, that bus was us
2: and the one after that in 1980
0: trump population
3: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, both of which suffered as a result and are generally regarded as being amongst the kind of weakest in the canon. Yeah, I'd say so. Lacking mm-hmm. any real sort of sense of
1: inspiration. Uh, By the way, the personnel on, like talking about what the personnel on more about yeah, fair, the, the personnel on Glory Has are Stupid is, oh my God, the personnel, um, the odd squad musicians, and then you've got the totally treacherous but slightly silly axe molesters, <laughs> guitars, <laughs> uh, underneath blow bottom and other deep basic activities, bass, um, goofy gooey, Quasi quaking glue Glue on, on keybangers Question mark <laughs> Keyboards. <laughs> African telephone operators And the drum <laughs> oh, <good laughs> uh, Pieces of mouth Horns And then the scream division Which is of all, all the singles <laughs> God This is wild you're um, fucking mad Yeah uh, And then it was what, 38
2: years before Until 2018 They brought out uh, Medicaid. Medicaid fraud dog Medicaid fraud
1: Just George Clinton And his son mm-hmm. uh, They made this record So there's like none Like there's no of Collins There's no his There's son, no war really. His living son One of George Clinton's sons Died when he was 50 mm. uh, Yeah right. His son is a uh, Yeah He's, Is he the older one I think Tracy Lewis Yeah Is what they get
2: The son's name mm. um, The album was a critique Of like Big Pharma It was to, to do with The american pharmaceutical system and patents and pricing and opioids and all this kind of stuff it was quite a political record in its own way even though again kind of a bit silly and a bit barmy yeah uh, it's, it's hard to get through as well more than 100 way. minutes long yeah, it's
3: hard to get through hell. Um, but then at that time uh yeah F- F- funkadelic released albums in 1980 81 and then nothing until 2007 and 2008 yeah uh, and that entire time was then pretty much George Clinton releasing... P-Funk All-Stars. Yeah, P-Funk All-Stars. So. Yeah,
1: they did not get into the dispute with his record label in the 80s and that's why the P-Funk All-Stars became a thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah, there was a whole sort of um, array of legal difficulties with uh, Polygram and... Because, Ca- like, they bought Casablanca Records and then... Uh, I mean, it just sounds like the entire 70s and 80s was just legal wrangles with record labels yeah. no yeah. matter how horrible. large or small you were horrible slice of reality there
2: so yeah. to
1: put any context funkadelic released 10 albums between 1980 and 1970 1980 and one more since then and while this is all happening funkadelic's first album comes out in 1970 and to 2014 they released 16 albums i mean that's a kind of obsessive creativity i think and um, before we skip past medicaid
2: fraud dog it's not a terrible album it's way over long yeah twice as long as it needs to be uh it's a wee bit naff but (laughs) it's worth giving a special mention to uh, one of the lyrics from the song kool-aid that goes hump until you hiccup pump until the pussy poop
1: <laughs> yeah, fair play, good advice. Josh <laughs> Clinton came the real. <laughs> and Clinton his 60s. 20, and his 70s, sorry. And his 70s. Uh, Jesus.
2: But yeah, so I mean, the influence of Parliament, let alone the other bands, is massive. As you said, Prince is just the biggest fan. He, he was Prince that inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of mm-hmm. Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, that by the way, that is an interesting watch cause I haven't like, actually seen that. Believe it or ev- not, it's fourteen minutes of almost everybody speaks before George Clinton himself, including like the bassist that got kicked out after the first <laughs> album, and he's not chuffed. <laughs> <right? laughs> They're
1: all up there. Fifteen of them.
2: Yeah. Oh, it is it is pretty pretty brutal. It, yeah. it includes all the guys that left during the, the the legal disputes. The guys that set up like a band that's name was kind of like a diss. Of it um, I mean it's really Pretty pretty interesting And fair play to George Clinton For asking them up there um, But yeah Prince uh, does the presentation um, uh, Also Rick James Was a massive fan mm-hmm. Of George Clinton he Said that was a huge part Of uh, where he got A lot of his bass inspiration you know? yeah. So I guess Bootsy Collins Is to thank But also other bands That were really vocal About their love of parliament uh, Were Talking Heads Strangely huge fans of Parliament um, and Red Hot Chili Peppers and indeed George Clinton produced Freaky styley the second album by Red Hot Chili's yeah. in 1985 did not know that Red Hot Chili's started in 1984 mm-hmm. yeah they had a couple of
1: mass funk
2: records yeah, they uh, had like three or four albums before they got to Blood Sugar Sex Magic yeah, yeah totally like, wow okay
3: but um, yeah they were kind of like the funk Pantera <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but of course Bernie Worrell then went on to uh, play with Talking Heads He's like an integral part of their live sound, and you know, talking heads are seen as this. They're probably like the hipster indie white band to like, you know, now nowadays, but um, yeah, they, they, they are, right.
2: they're like the weird alternative indie pop band that's sort of proven pretty timeless. There, yeah, it's very rarely you find somebody that just actually hates talking heads, yeah,
3: but they are incred- incredibly influenced by you know this whole p-funk world and you know uh but in um stop making sense you know the yeah, uh talking yeah. heads movie i think bernie Worrell is the star of the show uh <laughs> if you've seen his uh i don't know if he was on just huge amounts of cocaine or yeah. if he was just <laughs> having the absolute best time but i mean sometimes he's just uh hitting those keyboards and um never seen Joy like it
2: it's, it's interesting actually There was interviews with uh, De La Soul, Public Enemy and Ice Cube uh, All talking about like, Bernie Worrell basically is credited as Pioneer in that sort of famous sinister synth sound That became such a key feature of gangster rap mm-hmm. Like Snoop Dogg used it all the time Of modulated synth, uh, quite thin tones that just—that I mean, you'll absolutely know it. Yeah, a, it's absolutely. Such a yeah. Typical
1: quality. So a lot um, of the reason why that was called G funk in the early nineties, you know, because it was taken from the, all the samples and stuff was taken from like this era of yeah. music, you know. Um,
2: and also, I mean, it's worth saying as well as you said that Parliament were a huge influence. They're also one of the most heavily sampled bands of that era. They're on uh, "Me Myself and I" by De La Soul, "Nine One One" a joke by Public Enemy, as well as just literally. Hundreds
3: of other tracks. I think like pretty much all of Dr Dre's '90s work was just uh, just yeah, Parliament, Parliament samples. Uh, samples, uh, and then you know like stuff like Outcast. Yeah, absolutely everything that and you know You, you even listen now to uh, Kendrick Lamar, to Angelo, mm-hmm. all that stuff is so heavily
1: indebted to to Parliament. And he fucking loves it as well, man. He loves it. he loves the fact that people like samples music and revs at a time. He's just like just do it, like. He's a huge fan of like Passing on yeah, he, Passing on the wealth He you know?
2: released two Sample albums Just purely sample albums me that Pitch Shifter thing was a secret track He just put them out <laughs> One so he could get Loads of royalties From people using the samples From his sample albums yeah. Two so they were available To people
3: at the time Just to start dropping it Into all these like Rap and hip hop tracks um, But over the last 20 years You know he's even Appeared on you know appeared on records with Snoop Dogg Wu Tang, uh Big Boy from Outcast, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Childish Gambino, Flying Lotus, Lotus. Yeah. I know something that don't know.
0: I know something that don't
3: know.
1: Another like
3: Afro- Flying Lotus another Afrofuturist as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. His new record is Fucking mental <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, find it, I, I admire him a lot but I, but I find his music quite difficult A lot of the time
3: uh, Yeah definitely challenging um, I saw him in the ABC about 4 or 5 years ago And it was one of the best live shows I've ever seen in my life But um, yeah his records are tough to get into mm-hmm. Definitely
2: Um, And speaking of that So as much as I, I clearly have an appreciation For this and the legacy of this I just find funk Generally a difficult form of music to connect with, certainly on an emotional level. I, r- I really don't get any emotional click from it. I, I can appreciate the skill. I can appreciate a tight jam. Uh, you know, I can appreciate the showmanship of it and the solos and the, the, just the astonishing amount of rehearsal and ability that's involved in it. Uh, absolutely, but it has a sort of music effect on mm-hmm. me. It just sort of floats past
3: me. I, I really can't. Do you know what? Feel moved by I it? I think. You might be listening to it in the wrong way. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I can't like, to not music in like the wrong way. Way. <laughs> No, 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 no. I think, like, for anybody to get into funk by listening to it and trying to study it and think of interesting things to say about it for a podcast, right? Or, you know, just, like, to objectively go, oh, yeah, I'm not sure if I like that, blah, blah, blah. That's not the point of funk. I think the point of funk is get really fucking high turn it up really loud and you know at 2am with a bunch of people and that's when it really fucking kicks in that's what it's for it's not for um contemplating it's <laughs> or, for, or see it live and, is, yeah yeah. I mean, or for seeing it live you know go down take some acid go see parliament you Know that yeah, you would I mean, truly enjoy it
2: then, I think. I could take acid and look at a light switch and have a good time, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I have listened to funk before, mm. <laughs> I mean, I have listened to funk, yeah, I know for I, 20 I know, to but 30 like, years. I think it just is not a genre that ever has clicked with me. I, I get that it's fun, I get that it's sort of throwaway and enjoyable, I get all that, but it's not what I look for from music personally, and I think. Some manifestation of that, some manifestation of that lack of a deeper emotional connection is part of why it doesn't age as well as maybe some of the likes of The Cure or of Sabbath or of Hendrix. There's less of a, there's more of a frivolity about it. I think it's designed to be, to be a little bit more superficial and enjoyable as you're saying than it is to really speak to like deep emotional turmoil and that's that's cool yeah, there's, but there's a place for that. It's
3: interesting that you say Sabbath because I think Sabbath are an interesting parallel because they created heavy metal around the s- sort of same time as this P-Funk and it was all about dark sort of fantasy and you know uh, weirdness that was very much disassociated with reality um, and they never really dealt with human issues. They were like a sort of fantastical band, but in a very Birmingham way. <laughs> Whereas Birmingham. Uh, you know, this is just a I'm not talking, very similar yeah. and a cultural shift over. No, I think you
2: get me wrong. I'm not talking about the the actual themes because if anything, I think the themes in Parliament and Funkadelic are very relevant. I'm talking about the the musical delivery and the structure and the melodies and the harmonies
3: and just just the, the just no. And I appreciate that, but I think you've grown up as in a i don't know like if you were born in detroit you would probably like parliament more than you would like black sabbath is all i'm saying well like i think it's very let's
2: look at it tied to your cultural upbringing let's look at it from another angle then all right So, so music of this time yeah, I fucking love Smokey Robinson. I love Smokey Robinson. Yeah. This is not a case of I don't relate to black music or I don't relate to music from this area. I feel there's an emotional melodic, uh, like longevity in things like Smokey Robinson and things like Sam Cooke. The, the the Motown side of it really, really does connect to me. So and like things like the Temptations, they're fantastic. So it's not that is not the case. I feel funk. In and of itself, it's just yeah. not a genre that that works for me. But um, but I do yeah, like lot- I do like the jazzy end of it by the way. Because one of the things I was asked, like people were like, "What funk do you like?" I really like the Headhunters. <laughs> uh, Heavy the Headhunters. I like. I think. They have a much jazzier side to them though that works
3: for me a lot more um, that I can't really put on. Yeah, funnily enough, in. I, like, jazz funk is always seen as the, <laughs> the sort of uh, the weird cousin of both genres that shouldn't really be talked about, but I'm well into some jazz funk.
1: Yeah. Did you listen to Magga Brain by Funkadelic? Of course, I've heard that. I mean, I heard Did that about 30 years ago. we right? that to oh, like, yeah. that kind of funk. I really, really so. like there's a much, Brain. I love that There's record. a much more melodic and
2: emotional and raw... Feel to that album, you know. Even when they let rip, rip with solos and things like that, there is there is an emotional impact to that album that I just don't get from just listening to somebody slapping a fucking bass guitar. See, I wasn't going to swear in this episode because I used up all my swear <laughs> words last week, but I hate slap bass. I hate slap bass. I think um I got if a- you like corn the the, the absolute ne plus ultra of
1: of flat, <laughs> slap bass. Yeah, But I mean, it's all slap. No, note I mean that, that the, the key thing yeah, with heavy Parliament is like it's all about like dancing Fucking shaking your ass can change the world, right? So it's clearly in t- set your booty free. Yeah, so on some level, it's it's supposed to be, it just to get you up on your feet and make you move. And there I is, get it, man. Yeah, there are some it. messages as well in it, which I think are worthwhile for mm-hmm. sure. But I can also, I can, I can appreciate like maybe why you feel that way too, because I think it can be quite a hard thing to connect with when there's not really much to latch onto, because it is some of this concept is wacky as fuck, and if you're not really feeling the music. And the music's not really hitting you, then it's there's, there's nowhere for you to grab onto. Yeah, they're like a funk guar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, just,
2: it just doesn't. Yeah, Dave's just like, well, sounds no. good to me. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the album itself, Mark, do you wanna Do you
1: wanna give us a little tour? Yeah, okay. So um, it's mercifully short. Well, a lot of the albums Seven are quite t- short. Yeah, I, I like that about it, and I don't mean I'm not being snide. Like, I think brevity is great mm-hmm. on, the, on these kind of things. I think one of the things that before we got into this that's one of the things was actually kind of. I find quite tiring about the the stuff after this. Is a lot of the tracks get up. It's less less tracks, but a lot of them are like eight, nine, ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think yeah, it's clearly it's clear these guys are pretty much probably just jamming in the studio. Like that's probably all they're doing, to be honest, with like a rough idea of what it is they're supposed to do. Um. But yeah, I think I can, I can go on for a little bit. But anyway, um, the second starts off with P yeah, Funk.
0: after death, I say a seven up. <laughs> yeah. P Funk. <laughs>
1: I to get funked up We start off with a DJ intro Um, So it's basically George Clinton being uh, A DJ which is introducing you To the whole (laughs) G-funk P-funk P-funk concept Um, It's
2: a good It's a good spoken intro It's not It's not as rich in character as the one from Chocolate City. Though, yeah, which it was, really isn't. Like, yeah. Which was a defining example of that of that approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song does have the the lyrics uh, "Chocolate Nebula" yeah. in it, and "Don't step on my funk."
3: It's <laughs> 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 think- also sampled by Dr. Dre on the Chronic and Ice Cube in the Predator. So yeah, that's I'll I'll be your uh, sample master. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you,
1: David. I think yeah, this is the I see this track is like particularly the particular the DJ intro is them um, basically saying, Look, this is a new era of funk which is distinct from the James Brown shit that you've heard before because Chocolate City's still got quite a lot of that going on. Um but this track is super dance. this song's super danceable man and the baseline is squishy as fuck. <laughs> That's the, the yeah, first
3: there's thing
1: There's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of squelch in this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. Squelch <laughs> squishy. squishy Squishy Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty squishy um, But it's just like It has a bopper jam You know The horns are really good They're in the pocket Straight 4-4 four, four beat um, And it's just a bop man It's got a great groove And the dynamics are quite cool I'm like bringing it up and down It's quite a nice thing So it's fun It's definitely a thing though Where it, it would be much better To see it live than here on record And I like it on record But Yeah um, it's also got a cool thing where every instrument gets an introduction. So you get, you get, you get like Bernie Waddle, you get Bootsy Collins, you get a wee bit of guitar, you get the horns, you get the backing vocals, all coming in and out. I think that's pretty cool. See, uh, in some of their later records, as
2: they became really, really, co- well, sorry, not later records, in some of their kind of like halcyon period records, like Mothership Connection onwards up until about 78, they said that none of the bars were ever the same. So they would always have people soloing. There'd be sometimes multiple people soloing at mm. once, and even though the overall structure was similar, you would just
1: never have two bars the same in, yeah. the, in the one song. You can totally get that, and like uh, on this record. Speaking of bars, um, I seen a funk band in a bar in New Orleans, man. Because that's the reason why I brought up the life thing earlier on, because it, like it totally changed my appreciation for like I, li- I like funk, and as much as Prince does funk, but Prince is better when he's not doing funk when he's doing something else. Um, but I totally changed my appreciation for it ha- haven't seen it live um, Anyway <laughs> Get that out of the way I think Get Off by Prince is my favourite funk song of all time That's, that's a good mixture between like, funk and Yeah, it's like, just a great balance yeah, mm-hmm. um, but Some of his pop songs are untouchable As, we, as we've already discussed in previous episodes up um, Connection, Star Child So oh, s- uh, I'm going to set off the Prince collection. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> um, Star Child uh, is like the main character I guess, and the whole G- the whole p-funk, eth- the mythology thing so This was, this was Starchild's first album, right? Yeah, mm. so George Clinton as Starchild The voice of Starchild
2: Oh, there's a George Clinton character, by the way Which is based on one of his old friends That has a giant nose yeah, and uh, if you
1: diss the funk, your nose grows. Apparently, yeah. So is uh, that uh, Sir Nose devoid of funk? <laughs> so um, he's got, uh, he's got uh, one of the quotes from one of the records is I have I have always been devoid of funk, and I will continue to be devoid of funk. <laughs> so he says in one of the records, and uh, he relentlessly pimpifies the people by sucking their brains until their ability to think was amputated, pimpifying their instincts until they're fat, horny, and strung out. So basically, it's I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. I like, like it, but he, he sucks their brains and they're amputated. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I the ability, their ability to think was amputated. Have you noticed that the lyrics to these albums are basically just your average conversation in a house, but you change whatever the noun is to funk? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if, totally. I, if, I wanted, if I wanted to turn the channel on the TV, be like, David, can you pass me the funk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, goes for dinner.
3: Yeah, we're having funk tonight. <laughs> oh, I need to. I need to go for a big funk. That's <laughs> <laughs> his third funk of the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this uh, this has been sampled sixty four times. My mum walked in on me funkin'. <laughs> uh, uh, obviously, Doctor <laughs> Dr. Dre sampled and regulate by Warren G and Nate Dogg. Uh, cool and the Gang sampled it. Fifty Cent. Uh, it actually it sampled uh, "Swing Down Chariot," uh, the old gospel song.
1: Yeah, that's the, the swing vocal. low, sweet chariot. Yeah, yeah, swing low, sweet chariot. Yeah, Not swing down. Chariot. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, that, that 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 part of the vocal is towards the end of the song, but it's just quite psychedelic. So it takes a lot of psychedelic vibes and just combines it with that James Brown funk. Get the Bernie Worrell totally fucking crushes it in keyboards in a song. Yeah, I feel absolutely. We actually
2: maybe, maybe
1: unfairly skimmed over just how significant Bernie Worrell was when mm-hmm. he joined the band mm-hmm. in terms of taking them up a level. Yeah, because like I think there's, there's at least three or four keyboard parts going on in most songs. Um, different sounds. I mean, his his influence was on the sound of the band is just. Can we talk about track three? Yeah, I mean, funky year four with the lyric "Give up the funk, you punk." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A smile, unfunky, uh, the unfunky UFO is Earth Okay That's what it is in the G- the, the P-Funk mythology um, And it's been completely devoid of funk for generations And Parliament are here to bring it back
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, Thank God Yeah, thank God This is actually the end of Side 1 So it's just three tracks in and Side 1 is fucking done, man Like on, um, take your funk and make it man. Yeah <laughs> This is, this is a total jam, man Again, the keys are brilliant And there's not, there's not any start bass on this song But there's not a squishy bass line either But Bootsy does completely smash it as well And the vocals Such a deep groove, man I love vocals. it when the deep voice comes in The harmonies are so, so good as well
3: Sampled by Ice Cube Vocals
1: yeah, it was Glenn Gloyne's, so not Jaws Clinton on this one. It's Glenn Gloyne's who's doing the lead vocal on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, the guy that's got like this super
2: uh, preacher-ified vocal. Mm-hmm, yeah, like, apparently had just the most outrageous like preacher
1: voice when he got going. Yeah, and you can hear it on this. And there's another song later on as well, which is kind of on. Um, but this is a really cool way to end side one of the record because then you're like, fuck, we're just getting into it, and then it kind of goes down, and then you get a oh, super groovalistic station I just wrote
2: Madden the Bump Bump.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's a weird interlude, man. But there's a there's in some there.
2: really comedy synth envelopes in <laughs> yeah, <and> there. Like, <laughs> absolutely, man. He
1: <Like, laughs> like kills it on the. Like, don't get me wrong, like wore totally smashing it again on the keys, man. But yeah. there's some odd, odd, really badly aged sounds. <laughs> you on, know, I think this is then.
2: probably the catchiest one on it, man. I, I know there's other ones that are more well known, but the refrains in this one really worked. Mm-hmm. And the only thing was that the daft keyword sounds. Yeah. They, they, they're well done but they're also pretty stupid. Like they keep pulling you out of it. I was really caught. I like it. I like. I like this one. I've got time for it. It's good natured, but
1: yeah. It's like Clinton's just kind of went here. Can you just like put like put on like the maddest keyboard sounds you have for that song, and we just put them in? It's <laughs> <laughs> So baked. Um, can we talk about handcuffs? Hang on. One more thing before we get into mm-hmm. Before we finish this, there's actually sleigh bells on that song as well. <laughs> Towards the end, you can hear them in between the beats. It's fucking. It's really weird. It's not. It's not a Kyle chant, but it's yeah. yeah. It uh, handcuffs, yeah let's, let's
2: so talk about that Handcuffs uh, hasn't aged well I do, I
0: have
3: and mean the lyrics are Some questionable uh, lyrics. very questionable but mm. also um he was uh, influenced by Female,
0: Turner. no, no. That song
3: was like a retort to a female beat poet, um, and she actually joined him in singing the song later at, at a later date and stuff like that. So he's it's not serious. There's nothing I mean, his band serious, not,
1: exactly. <laughs> I, I will give you that. Yeah, the backing vocals are awesome in this too. Like when they when they bring in the female harmonies as well, it's like it just takes it up a next level. And their vocals are always on point, man. Give up the funk is like the mo- one. that's probably like the most popular song. Oh right? uh,
2: well, the subtitle "Tear the roof off the Sucker. because oh, that yeah. was the title of uh, like a film thing, wasn't it?
3: This is the one that uh, many white indicants will know. Because the mighty bush homaged it. Oh, and there, uh remember old Greg? You know what your problem is? What? You ain't got the funk. You're all rigid. Hmm? You're like a breadstick. You got no rhythm. Yeah, well, I've heard all this sort of stuff before, thank you. Well, maybe I could help you. I got the funk. Yeah, I know. You're very funky, Greg. No, no, you don't understand. I mean,
1: I got the funk right here, it's in this box. You see, the funk is a living creature. About the size of a medicine ball, but covered in teats. Ah! Came from another planet and landed on Bootsy Collins' house. Huh? Back then, Bootsy was just a simple farmer. But he took one look at all those mold titties and he lost his mind. He began to milk the funk. Shit, this ball producing some sweet cream. Made himself a funk shake. Raise the lord. He began to feel fizzy inside. He found he could see round corners. What the? Suddenly, he passed out. But when he came to, maybe he was slapping a bass guitar fast and loose like some kind of delirious funky priest. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes,
2: I do, actually. Yeah, and, uh, We've mentioned old Greg
3: in this show Yeah, because old Greg was like, he'd lost the funk and all that. And th- that whole episode was basically a tribute to George Clinton and Funkadelic and Parliament. And uh, the funk song they play basically is... Just a bad
1: version of this song. Uh, if, you, if you want to get into the real nitty-gritty of this song, um, which I won't get into, it, if you go into Wikipedia, there's an excellent analysis of the structure of the song. <laughs> the song is constructed using jazz influence form. The themes are set at the beginning of the track. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's weird. It actually gives you a complete breakdown of the of the, of the structure, which is it is the, the most. Instantly recognizable, I think. Absolutely, of yeah. their, their catalog, mm-hmm. at least for me, yeah. As and a, a layman, the sounds are great on it as well. The keys are the keys are not off the chart mad on this song, which is a nice change from the last couple of tunes.
3: Yeah, There's not too much squelch.
1: Yeah, it's got it's got, it's got more disco feel than funk, I think. Um, which I think was probably was around at the time as well, right? 1975
2: By the way, apparently one of the key uh, aspects to Bootsy Collins is playing is that he really emphasised the one in the bars. It was something that was a feature of good propulsive funk music at the time. Mm-hmm. Was just pushing the one because it pushed the entire song along. And as soon as he came in, they said they immediately noticed that that there was a sudden emphasis on the f- on the one and all
1: the bars, and it was giving the songs a lot more energy and drive. So, I mean, what is it? What is quite interesting about that song as well is like it's mostly just three instruments with little flourishes on other instruments. So it's like the bass, the synth, and the drums, and then the vocals. I'll <laughs> But the vocals like, are found in different groups. Like one of my favorite things about Parliament and why I love why I love them so much is that the it's a total jam band thing, right? It's like all the instruments are always having a conversation with each other. So one's saying something and another, another one's replying to it. It's always about call and response. And this song, like with it being like the most pop, most famous song, it it can feel repetitive because it does go on for ages repeating the same motif. But if you listen closely, it's like a call and response thing which is going on like throughout. And it's probably the best, probably the best song on the record and probably one of the best songs they ever wrote, to be honest. And then the last song is The Night of the thrum Thrumpus people. <laughs> thrumpus Thomp... people. So it's kind of like the spaceship was like flying away it's got a really 40 cents th- like a properly 40 cents yeah. yeah um but the baseline is fucking cracking on it um it's definitely got like a farewell and then it's, apparently that uh, gaga 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 bit bit. the gaga but <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's like a James Brown um homage <laughs> <laughs> Does that in a few A few songs So it's like Oh uh, yeah they They mention that
2: In the documentary
1: as well actually, yeah. yeah And the keyboard outro When he's not doing The forty cent sounds Is pretty good <laughs> Keyboard outro yeah. yeah So that is that is My whistle stop tour Of the Mothership Connection Would you guys like to add anything? I think you should, you've done it justice um, I think It's a good album It's really fucking fun Funk
3: is A genre That we have not covered On this podcast And I think It's very culturally important we've seen how influential it has been and it probably doesn't get the people through the gates that it should I think you said Um, something
2: really interesting or one of you guys, I think it was you, said something really interesting earlier on which was that actually Parliament Funkadelic uh, is probably as influential as any Led Zeppelin Mm -hmm. ever, it's just maybe culturally, certainly for us as three white guys living in the west we're not as tuned in to its its impact. Yeah. Uh, but so I think whilst I might have been more resistant to that suggestion initially, uh having researched it and really started to appreciate the depth uh of influence that it had on society. Uh American society really and by mm-hmm. proxy most, you know, industrialized Western societies. Yeah, yeah. Uh I, I do kinda I do kinda side with that. I think that's a fair point and I'm glad we've raised that point because, yeah, the the band overall, I would say, is probably somewhat culturally disproportionately overlooked.
3: Yeah, I don't think this album is overlooked in terms of music or funk. I think it's seen quite rightly as one of the leading albums of all time in, in this genre and of the 70s as well. But yeah, I'm happy to put it in as the funk record that we talk about. It won't be the
1: funk record because we might as it's well be choose. A, there's going to be a Prince one. Well, yeah, no, but
3: the P-funk, you know, the '70s funk. Yeah. We might as well. It's been really interesting talking about it and you know diving into it. Um, so we might as well put the best one in. Or, I think you know the 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 big one.
1: I think you're right, and um, my my initial reason for bringing it in was just I, I wanted to bring it to a whole bunch of people that probably haven't heard it before. If we can't do that with unsung, sometimes maybe we shouldn't. And the argument can be made that maybe we shouldn't for this, because it is quite well known.
2: But No, I think it was a really good idea to mention it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna abdicate responsibility. I'm gonna sit in the fence for this one because I would like to see us represent a bit more of that, but I'm not sure that this one qualifies. I think there are actually, contrary to what David said, I think there are other funk records that probably will make an appearance Depending on how long we can keep this, this ship
1: afloat, uh, <laughs> how long you can help us keep this ship afloat? so, yeah, so I'm, I'm
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in the fence in this one, but I am very pleased that we we took the time to cover it, giving ourselves a big hefty pat in the back here. Oh yeah, how woke are we? Yeah, we
0: woke three. as
1: fuck. Yeah, so I say yes, and Dave, you.
0: Yeah I'll
1: say yeah, yes Cool okay. so, it's two yeses in a so yeah go and vote on our Facebook page um, And let us know if you like the funk or not So should we do our nexus We should do our
3: nexus So uh, whose
1: choice was, ne- was it I've
2: got a good nex eye But this chair is hard And my funk is looping <laughs> <laughs> This is
3: the first time we're seeing nexus tonight Will it be the last What do they have in store this for us not good one.
1: So who chose What So Wesley Snipes Was chosen by Uh, Alessandra Sorrentino Yep So um, So we've got to get From George Clinton George Clinton
3: (laughs) Parliament (laughs) To 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 Wesley Wesley Snipes Snipes. Alright you got that Mark I've got that yeah (laughs) So the way the
2: Nexus works is Yeah we go from The band that we're covering And in Six Funky Steps we get to uh, the nomination. And well, we need way more, more than six, we, or way less than we six we need more sometimes. nominations. So please get yourself onto Funk Book. Yeah, random um, yeah.
3: people <laughs> and
1: comment. Uh, and funkers on Funker. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I, I couldn't funk and agree more. Um, so I've got two anecdotes because they're both quite short. Okay. So, I've
3: got I've accidentally come up with a second one and it's also really long. So I've got two yeah. long ones.
1: Uh right, okay, let's barter through then. Cool. So uh, George Clinton voiced the Functopus. Radio DJ on the station Bounce, FM, and Bounce mm-hmm. FM in the video game GTA San Andreas. Yeah. That game also starred Mad Dog, who's a rapper in the game, which is voiced by Ice-T. Great. And Ice-T and Wesley Snipes starred in a film called New Jack City in 1991.
3: There you go. That was quick. Beautiful. Back to old style Mark. Yep. You got another one? Yep. Was uh, Mick Jagger not in that as well? Possibly. New, New Jack City, I think he was, yeah.
1: Bussy Collins played bass for Parliament. He also played based for James Brown in the 1970s. At a show on August 20th, 1983, James Brown invited both Michael Jackson and Prince up on stage to play with him. And Wesley Snipes played Mini Max and Michael Jackson's short film slash music video for Bad in
2: 1987. Yeah, Wesley Snipes claims that... uh he got the nod over Prince Because initially Prince was meant to do it And Wesley Snipes says oh, Yeah then Michael bumped Prince and gave it to me instead <laughs> Because Wesley Snipes is not the most humble man yeah. the
1: <laughs> And they're also like Apparently they were never really in Pals either Like Prince and Michael Jackson But
3: uh, Will I go do my double? Oh please First of all I wanted to mention My favourite Wesley Snipes film So we'll get to that So this is how we that got there 57. Uh, So G- George Clinton uh, am, and I, am I right In the year 1999 Collaborated with Lil Kim and Fred Durst And appeared on Methods of Mayhem Single Get Naked <laughs> Fuck that's the
1: second Is that the second time you mentioned Methods of Mayhem Yeah in the Tommy podcast. Lee's um, New metal Rap
3: <laughs> metal act um, So yeah it Appeared on that uh, Get Naked Great Wikipedia for uh, Get Naked, by the way. The song contains explicit sexual content with references to cum, a blowjob, a tape, and male and female sex organs. <laughs> the lyrics also deal with human penis size. Lil' Kim labels male penises under seven inches as mini-men who are unsuitable for sex. <laughs> uh, why, why, did it, why did Wikipedia use the phrase cum instead of semen? Uh, because it, it's, no, it actually says cum in the song. C U M. Yeah, it's
2: odd that the but then they say male and female sex organs. I know they
3: I know why did they quote some of it and then Clunges and bobbies. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Fred Durst. <laughs> yeah. I mean we could talk about Fred Durst for a while. I told you I wasn't gonna swear, but I can say plunge and bobby. Uh, did you know Fred Durst has a tattoo of Kirk Cobain on him. I did know that, yeah. And he also has a tattoo of Elvis Presley. Did on he him.
2: not sing? Is that song about Blue Eyes not uh, in some way something to do with Kirk Cobain? No, that's a cover of the
3: Who behind Blue Eyes. Yeah, they wrote it before Kirk Cobain was born about Kirk Cobain. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he also has a tattoo of Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was married to Priscilla Presley from 1967 to 1963. Priscilla Presley most underage. famously <laughs> was uh, in Very The Naked young. Gun and The Naked Gun uh, sequels uh, as Frank Dribbond uh, stroke Leslie Nielsen's um, love interest love in interest. Naked Gun two and a half: The Smell of Fear that also uh, featured Richard Griffiths as Dr Albert S. Meinheimer a wheelchair bound yeah. scientist and, uh, his,
2: and his, uh, evil tw- his own evil twin uh,
3: yes exactly now, Richard Griffiths also appeared in an episode of Inspector Morse, <laughs> uh, in, just the one in the early nineties. Yeah, yeah, no, he wasn't. He was never. He was just a bit part player. It's
2: like the British Ironside. Well,
3: there's <laughs> several uh, big. Act- I've actually been going through a Jonathan Creek phase, and it's amazing ha- seeing how many actors just appeared in one episode of Jonathan Creek. Much like Inspector Morse, another actor who... Much like Columbo uh, is Another mean. actor who <laughs> appeared in one episode of Inspector Morse was... Benedict Cumberbatch. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley who co-starred in Passenger 57 with yeah. Wesley Snipes. He's done right.
1: it. Ladies and gentlemen, he's <laughs> done it. <laughs>
3: uh, I also, just halfway through the episode, I realised that um, Jesse Ray who is the Scottish uh, singer and funk man from uh, St. Boswells, he is he is, is the Scottish funk man. Is that a real thing? Yeah, Jesse Ray. He went. I've never heard. Of he's uh, he was at Parliament Funkadelic show last year. He wears chainmail and takes a sword with him everywhere he goes, but somehow is allowed because it's Jesse Ray. That's um, is, this, is this is this real? Just like uh, oh no, no, no Jesse is, is like The story the- of Jesse Ray is fucking incredible. <laughs> so he went over to the the US in the late seventies made friends with parliament and funkadelic and tried to get a record label but never got one but he ended up uh collaborating with what's his name with uh bernie worrell with Wait, ben, Yeah, with bernie worrell <laughs> and released some music with him and he's yeah a really interesting and weird guy that you should check
1: out anyway can i just I, add yeah, to that for a on. sec yeah he stood for general election well yeah
3: this is <laughs> my, <laughs> my next part where do you think i was gonna go he can, stood can we, for the 25th sorry can we get him on Uh, maybe we could actually but he in the 2015 general election he stood for the Berwickshire, Roxburgh and Selkirk constituency what party he did not get in Uh, independent I believe Um, in the 2015 general election another musician who stood separately was Bez from the Happy Mondays who stood for the reality party holy god Um, he was their sort of centre left anti-austerity party uh, Bez actually appeared or somebody played him in 24 Hour Party People the the old uh, sort of Hacienda Factory Records uh, movie
1: I think he is in it but I don't think he's in it as himself if you know what I mean I think he is in it Yeah possibly Yeah, I don't think he plays himself
3: Either way Steve Coogan starred in that film as Tony Wilson uh, Steve Coogan you know appears with Rob Brydon in The Trip mm-hmm. a TV series stroke film Rob Brydon appeared uh, his first ever movie role was uh, Lock, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels in 1998, which also featured a very early appearance of Jason Statham. Jason Statham, who appears in The Expendables with Wesley Snipes. Expendables 3. Oh.
1: He plays Dr. Death,
3: is that right? Dr. Money and Dr. Death? I've never seen any of The Expendables.
1: No, me neither. I've seen the third one in the cinema and I spent most of it in hysterics at how bad it was. and <laughs> <I> almost <laughs> kicked the cinema for it.
3: Uh, okay,
2: Parliament. Uh, Parliament were part of the Afrofuturism movement, as we spoke about earlier on, a cultural aesthetic that kind of explores the intersection of African diaspora with technology, uh, including people like we mentioned, Octavia Spencer, the author, Sunra, the musician, uh, Black Panther, the comic character, was a big manifestation of this cultural movement. Uh, there was like a linkage to Egypt and ancient aliens and ancient astronauts and all that kind of stuff. As it happens, Blade is also considered part of the Afrofuturism movement, but that's not where I'm going with this. But yeah, it is. Uh, Janet Jackson is quite a prominent person, mentioned as one of the more modern manifestations of the Afrofuturism movement. That's also interesting. Uh, And one of the kind of aspects of that was the Michael Jackson's video, Scream, him and Janet are in in space. And I don't think it's just when a black person goes to space, it's Afrofuturism. But I think there's a little bit more to it than that, and mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh, but yeah, she so she comes up in that quite a bit. So this is where it branched a little bit. Also, by the way, uh, it's worth just to be mentioned. Part of the Afrofuturism movement is a guy called Nick Cave, not Nick Cave of Nick Cave and the Bad Seas, but Nick Cave, uh, an artist uh, from Chicago uh, who is exhibiting at the Tramway in Glasgow. So if you're from Scotland. And are interested in any of this stuff He's an exhibition called Until Which looks really good Mm. And is on at the tramway until November the 24th Wow So there you go Uh, What's that, a public announcement? I don't think we've ever done that Anyway, so Janet Jackson One branch of that Janet Jackson's sister, LaToya Jackson Did an interview on CBS in 2011 On a show called The Talk Promoting her autobiography uh, During which she revealed that her ex-husband A pure creep called Jack Gordon Who's dead now uh, tried to sell her for sex oh. to Mike Tyson for a uh, hundred grand. Uh, and actually Tyson told her mum that this is what had happened during the conversations where that now ex-husband uh, and Mike Tyson once knocked out Wesley Snipes in the toilet of a restaurant <laughs> called Roscoe's in LA after he discovered that Wesley Snipes was seeing his girlfriend and they got somebody to follow him the restaurant. The guy phoned him, Michael, Mike Tyson came down and knocked Wesley Snipes out in the bogs. That is a fight I'd love to see though Because yeah, I mean, he, he might
3: have blindsided Wizzle what, Snipes is a fifth
2: Dan uh, Yeah, he's short Yeah, that's very high Dude is fucking handy, man <laughs> Yeah, so anyway Janet Jackson, if you, if you go down a separate branch And I couldn't decide which one I preferred I think I prefer this one Janet Jackson was named Grinch of the Year in 2011 by the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, the PETA organisation. Now the PETA organisation, as much as it very much seems to have its heart in the right place, has been known to be on the wrong side of the news from time to time. Uh, Recently, uh, when they were pretty unfair uh, on the legacy of Steve Irwin, uh, the Australian uh, nature enthusiast and conservationist. But also, uh, for example, when they controversially advertised and linked consumption of dairy products to autism, that didn't go down well, Uh, they tried to popularise a bunch of alternative sayings based on, you know, common slogans such as, feed two birds with one scone. And
3: this was part of like- I like that. I'm down with it. An international advertising campaign. Which is obviously wrong because everybody knows you don't feed birds bread. It swells their stomach, so
2: uh, it's definitely more on two birds as well. Yeah. Peter also has like an arm, or, or, or at least a regular uh, format of protest—a wing where they make, s- <laughs> <laughs> where they make satirical video games. Uh, and this in the past has included Super Tofu Boy, and I can see Dave's eyes light up at the very prospect of getting that arcade machine into the hugging pint. Um, but uh, also one called Cooking Mama. Which is this perverse video game that teaches kids how to like butcher people and watch their mum butcher animals? Anyway, it's pretty pretty rough. Okay, uh, and uh, one called Pokemon Black and White, which is a satire because Peter complained that Pokemon encouraged uh, cruelty to animals. And one of the other video games that Peter formally complained about this time to the company Namco was Tekken Three, because one of the characters in it, Anne Williams. Mm -hmm. Uh, was wearing an animal print dress in the video game. What about the
3: fact that you can beat up a leopard?
2: Exactly. <laughs> this was the point I was going to make. It was like,
1: they don't seem bothered with the, fact that the leopard head game. Not, not just that, but you can play as an actual bear in that game. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, there you go. But they were upset that the character Anne Williams had on uh, an animal print dress, complained formally in Namco, and I believe they actually dropped it for the, for the follow-up. Um, but also, in the game Tekken 3, the character Raven was modelled
3: on Wesley Snipes. Oh, Oh interesting. That's all right, yeah. You dropped that one in yeah. there quickly. Well, we did it. That was uh, long and winding. Yeah, yeah. A bit funky. Funky. Bit funky. Long and funky. Yeah, absolutely funk totally funky. Totally funky. So guys we better funk us for next week. Yeah. Uh, who's go funk? Who's who's got the who's got the, the bowl? That's my goal, isn't it? Well, here you go then. Uh, so Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot what we were gonna do, but I remember. Alright, so we have to tell you what album we're doing next week And uh, I have chosen Cold House by Hood Which is about as far away from uh, Parliament as you can get It's this white guy It's some white guy, miserable uh, North Yorkshire indie so, uh, Cool Yeah But um, I'm looking forward to you guys hearing and it Who do we have to connect that to? I have to connect... <laughs> it's our good friend Craig Carrick. <laughs> has, yeah. uh, it's because he's put a few in. Yeah. If you uh, he wants us to get from uh, Hood to Billy Warlock. Oh, from Baywatch. Must be, yeah, yeah. So we have to do that, right? Okay, okay And cool. If
2: if you contribute to the podcast, or to be honest, even if you just listen, we're not going to like split hairs. Please suggest some names so that. Craig stops having the monopoly On these episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: uh, but that's fine. We'll we'll put up a face. Just post a regular dollar dollar yeah, for yeah, yeah. People. Mm-hmm. So um,
2: yeah, next week, uh, belly warlock to some obscure Northern English alternative band called Hood. Yep. Yes. Great. I can't wait. That's, that's a, That will be a challenge. For.
3: Great work. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure. I uh, off. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> See <you> if <funkin'> I later. <laughs>